So Money, Episode 711, Carol Roth, founder of Future File. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. If something happened to you today, would your family know your last wishes? Would they even know your computer password? Today's guest is Carol Roth, and she's working hard to make sure there are no unanswered questions. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It's an important episode today. It's a hard topic, you know, talking about death and uh, especially when it happens unexpectedly, how to plan for the unexpected. Our guest today is Carol Roth and she created Future File. It's a comprehensive legacy planning system that lets us put all of our important documents and wishes in one place. And these days, it's not just your bank account information and your life insurance policy. It is also your Facebook account and all of your online platforms and accounts and profiles. What do you do with all of these files? She's got answers. Carol is a highly successful entrepreneur as well. She's an investor get this, TV personality, New York Times bestselling author, recovering investment banker. She's even got her own action figure. So aside from Future File, Carol herself is super interesting and dynamic and funny. I loved talking to her about her multifaceted career, as well as, of course, all the important things we need to know about in creating a legacy plan. Here is the fabulous Carol Roth. Carol Roth, welcome to So Money. Great to have you. Barney, so great to be here with you. You're the famous creator of Future File, which is this incredible legacy planning system for all of us to help us keep all of our important documents and wishes in one place. I want to talk about that. But in learning about you, you know, you've done so much beyond the financial planning and legacy planning space. You've gone to business school, you've hosted television programs, you've been to Second City, taking improv there. And to to hear you describe your life, if it was a book, it would be sort of like one of those choose your adventure books, which I read all the time growing (laughs) up. So, so who is Carol Roth, right? Like what uh, what what drives you to do all these different things? Um, there, as you said, it's not really about connecting dots. It's just about experiencing life, which I love. Share that about share that about you. Yes. So I am incredibly curious and I guess a little bit greedy and I like to be involved in anything. And when, when something piques my curiosity, I can't just go, Oh, that, that's interesting. You know, let me know more about it. It's like, Oh, I have to know more about it. I have to be involved in it. And it is, uh, it's very much a a blessing and a curse. I've always told people to do as I say, not as I do, because I do believe that the people who are most successful in life are the ones who, you know, are really good at something and kind of follow that path. But I'm I'm that old soul. I'm a Renaissance woman. I like to have just a lot of different things going on. I'm completely calm and chaos. But if you want me to to sort of lose it, then have nothing going on. And that that's sort of who I am. Although I sort of feel that future file is in some ways 
the, the the thing that you're really good at and what you have were sort of destined to bring into the world, one of the things, given that, you know, you started with your own story of your mother and then your stepmother passing away and then your father creating this system and plan for what would happen in the event of his death and it became this prototype of future files. So take us back to that period of time. Did you think at that time when he was introducing Future File to you or the prototype rather that it would end up becoming your your work later in life? Not at all. It's so interesting how these things happen. You know, I, I have this sort of lifetime original movie life and as you mentioned, <laughs> I've had all of these losses and you know, after going through it um, three times when my with father approached my sister and I with this paperwork and kept saying to us, you know, put this in the file, which at the time we lovingly referred to as the death file, um, we sort of rolled our eyes, even though we had been through uh, my mom having leukemia. She was diagnosed at age 49 and passed the day after her 51st birthday, and my stepmother at age 55, and I had a boyfriend who was killed in a car accident at 21. I, I've seen this happen but I just kind of assumed that, okay, those those were my three, and I had been through this so many times before, and now I got a respite. So as my dad was giving my sister and I this paperwork, we really kind of rolled our eyes at it. We sort of dismissed it. And when 2013 rolled around and he was in this freak accident, we had to go to this file to not only make an end of life decision and figure out what his wishes were in that particular moment. But then we were the only people who were left to not only deal with these sort of immediate needs, the the burial and the, the ceremonies and the like that goes with that, but the wrapping up of personal affairs. And so we had no idea this was something that we would ever really even be using let alone realize that it saved us a lifetime of grief from not having feel like we had this burden of making the wrong decision or that we should have gotten more opinions, um, that we were able to save more than 10,000 actual dollars because of end of life costs are the third most expensive cost a family incurs in a lifetime. But from my perspective, the hundreds of hours that my father saved me in trying to track things down and figure out if we had gotten everything and, and, and really, um, you know, had the most recent information and he didn't have other accounts in other places or other, you know, not be able to access social media, all that kind of stuff. And so it was this gift that he gave to us. And that's when we sort of looked at each other and and said, Hey, we need to provide this to other people because everybody, whether it's dealing with their parents, um, dealing with a spouse or for their own kids should have this because when the time rolls around, if you aren't prepared, it becomes too late. And then that's when you you end up in a situation where you're burning hundreds of hours and spending all this extra money and, and have this additional burden, which is just awful. What is the real commitment now before the tragedy strikes? What Kind of walk us through, like, what are the basic things that people should be asking themselves or putting aside or thinking about? And what is really the the time and effort investment invested. Yes, yeah, so we created um, Future File as a roadmap, and during our beta testing, that was actually one of the questions we asked: is how much time did you spend? And we found that most people filled out about eighty to eighty-five percent of it, 
and that the commitment was about four to six hours. And we approached um, not just passings, we also approached incapacitations because lots of people are contending, especially around our age with our parents, um, dementia and Alzheimer's. In our case, it was a, an accident. So, so we wanted to address the sort of mental incapacitation piece as well as the passing. And there are so many things that you need to think about from who needs to be contacted from family, friends, and then work, which can be a whole separate sort of set of issues, to silly things like who do you not want there? And with my dad, he had some very specific people. He did not want to show up at the hospital or the funeral. And so we wanted to be able to honor his wishes in that particular case. Um, but things like what do you want to have happen to your social media account? I mean, I have friends who've passed away where you get these notices that pop up and it, it's, you know, it's kind of jarring. Um, and then just being able to access them and accessing financial accounts today. Cryptocurrency is a big thing that you have to make sure somebody can find um, oh or just sort gosh. of those those hidden accounts. Like I have a personal PayPal account that I use just for fun. If I had, didn't have that written down in my future file, my husband would have no idea that it existed. And that money would just be out there in the ethersphere, storage lockers, um, you know, all kinds of things. If you're in an accident, medical histories and what kind of drugs you're on. And then, you know, my dad went so far as to do the, the pre-planning of the funeral expenses, which is where we got that $10,000 of savings. Because when you're in that state of grief, you don't want to jip dad from the beautiful casket and the flowers and the whole shebang, but it ends up being really expensive. So um, there are so many things to think through that we wanted to provide that roadmap so that you didn't really have to think about it. Wow. Well, thank you for doing all the work for us and, and yes, to your dad pleasure. too. <laughs> <laughs> I say my pleasure. is It's not my pleasure. Not my, I wish not that pleasure, I have but... any of this experience, but since I did, we're trying to, to make the most of it. And it was truly a gift that my father gave to us. So our, our ability to help other families is truly a privilege. But you're so right about all of the new agey stuff that we have to we have to concern ourselves with what does happen to your social media profile, your your cryptocurrencies, <laughs> which I have none of, but you know, <laughs> apparently that's a trend now. Your digital footprint. I mean, British, mm -hmm. how many files do you have on your computer? And, you know, do you want someone to have access to those and or do you not? Do you want that to be wiped out and nobody ever sees that again? I think we should go through your incredible resume. <laughs> are you why are you laughing? <laughs> I am a jolly Midwestern girl. I laugh at everything. I'm I love basically it. basically like an eight-year-old. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. It's great to have a guest that's so jolly. Okay. Former investment banker, New York Times bestselling author of The Entrepreneur Equation. I'm going to brag about you for a little bit. Just, just hang you. tight. You've made multiple regular media appearances. You've been a reality TV show judge on America's Greatest Makers. You have been investing early on in um, early and mid-stage companies. You had an action figure made in your own likeness? Yes, still do. Wait, can, so where can I buy this and what action figure are we talking about? I will send you one. Um, and if you look up Carol Roth action figure or Carol Roth doll online, I think that there are still some of them being traded on eBay. Um, or if you reach What's out your to superpower? 
<laughs> my, the one that I want, wish I had was Metabolism Girl, that they superpowered to be able to eat anything <laughs> I want and not gain weight. So my, my action figure has that. Um, my superpower is to be able to go out into the world and have strangers talk to me every single day, whether or not I want them to. <laughs> you just attract that kind of energy. I do. It's crazy. It's Nobody believes me until they spend a day with me. And then they're like, oh, my God, you're not joking. And I'm like, I know people like to chat with me, which I guess, given what I do is kind of great. But um, it's why I never take public transportation anymore. I'm looking at the doll now. If you go to the entrepreneur dot com slash doll, everybody, you, you too <laughs> can have the Carol Roth collectible fashion doll and very fashionable. This thank you. Lustrous black hair, black little black dress. Looks like a coach bag or something and some red heels. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It actually it came out of when I launched Barbies my book. should look like this. <laughs> yes, well it's made by actually one of my clients, Integrity Toys. Um, who does these high, wonderful high-end fashion dolls, and their creative director is Jason Wu, the uh, the noted fashion designer. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but it was actually it, it was actually came out of um, when I wrote my book. That back in the day, you know, there used to be these things called bookstores, and uh, the buyer <laughs> from Barnes and Noble basically did not like the fact that I was on the cover of the book. Thought I was too attractive to be taken seriously as what? a business author, so he said. And when my publisher came back with that feedback, I said, too bad, leave me on the book and I'm going to do something as a promotion that's going to stick it to them. And that's why we came up with the action figure. And actually, the outfit that I'm wearing is the same outfit, the, the little black dress and the pink heels uh, that I have on the cover of the book. And uh, I used it as a promotion that if you bought so many copies of the book, you would get the action figure for free. Whoever thought you could ever be too attractive to do anything? <laughs> uh, apparently only for a, wom- a woman. If you were John, I don't think you would be too handsome to be on the cover of your book. Mm. But um, that, that wasn't flying over here. We're always revealing firsts on this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, the list continues. So action figure, check. Um, host of Microsoft's Office Small Business Academy show. You were an investment banker in San Francisco, one of the youngest officers of the company by age 25. You were a board member on a publicly traded company or has a, sorry, you were, are you still? No, I, okay. I, uh, I dropped off due to a conflict of interest, but, uh, but was, was a former public company director and now sit on some private boards. You went to Wharton, as I mentioned earlier, Second City to uh, learn about improv comedy you're a toy collector. Oh my gosh. And an investor. So oh, with all of these experiences, Carol, which one to you really stands out as your 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 favorite? And maybe even like it was the, the so moneyest of all of them. Because they some of them do actually touch on money and business, a lot of them actually. So was there one experience that was the most defining in terms of your financial life? Certainly the investment banking piece, the being a recovering investment banker is the one that that set me up um, financially. The plan was always, I never really wanted to be the world's best investment banker. It was just the one that paid the most and had the sort of most experience 
and also provided a lot of different opportunities. I could have been a consultant and gone deep on one thing, but I think you're getting the fact that I have a little bit of ADD and that wasn't going to happen. So as an investment banker, you can do a lot of different deals at one time. And what that did was that set me up financially to have the flexibility to do all of these great things that I'm doing now and not have to worry about, okay, am I doing this for the money or am I doing this just because I find it interesting? And so that was sort of my trade-off that, 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 that putting in my dues, so to speak, as an investment banker, great contacts, great experience, and then that so money financial flexibility to do whatever I wanted for the rest of my life. That is encouraging because I think a lot of us in our 20s, sometimes we have to take the job because it is the better paying job. We don't really have, we don't feel we have the luxury to just sort of take the job that's going to be the most exciting. No one really (laughs) has their dream job at 25, really. I mean, if you do, call me. I want to hear about it. (laughs) You're, you're, you're probably a professional athlete and you're probably out of a job by age 30. So that's <laughs> yes. the trick up there. <laughs> yeah. Or you're Jennifer Lawrence. Um, right. That's a really great lesson. I thank you for sharing that because I think that is great. We talk a lot about having financial runway on this show. And if you can, in some ways, you know, do something that pays the bills, pays more than the bills, allows you to save, allows you to have a cushion so that you can then branch out and do something that does tickle you fancy. Uh, tickle, tickle your fancy? How do, what is that expression? I think it's tickle your fancy. Tickle your fancy. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with it either way. Tickle, tickle you fancy. That's <laughs> another kind of show. Tickle me Elmo. Tickle me tickle Elmo, right. Fancy. I think that's the way it goes. <laughs> um, well, let's give listeners some more hard and fast truths about planning for the inevitable. Many people listening, we're, we're a young crowd. We're not, we're hopefully not anywhere near approaching um, the inevitable. But is this t- the time now to, to start really making those plans and start talking away some of those those wishes and, and, and the lists of things that you want to have? I mean, what do you, yeah. what do you even know about yourself at, at 25 or 30? <laughs> you know, I'd say if you are 30 or if you have children, that that's the time to do it for yourself. Um, certainly if you have parents who are still alive, um, you should be doing it for them because you're the one who's going to be left behind to clean up the mess. Um, so I think that that's sort of the trade off there, but the reality is we just really never know what's going to happen. And so to take a few hours and just get things in order, just in case, I I really believe that if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And, you know, if you're the one that it happens to, then the burden becomes on someone else. And so this is really a gift that you give to your loved one. Um, And it's the same thing that you can use if you're talking to your parents, if your parents don't want to make the decision then you tell them, well, if you don't want to make the decision, that means I'm going to have to make the decision. And do you want me to have to make that? And that was actually the discussion as my father and I were putting this together. um, We had had a family friend who was in a freak accident as we were putting this together and their family had to go to the hospital and decide when to basically pull the plug. And I remember the first time I discussed it with my dad, he was kind of like, I don't know. And I was like, well, if you don't know, how am I supposed to know? So then he was like, okay, well, I want you to to leave me there forever. 
And I'm like, really? You really uh-huh. <laughs> there forever? Uh-huh. Like that seems pretty expensive and not such a great strategy. So he basically changed the directive and said, "You're right. Um, you know, they, you know, run some tests. If if you get some consensus that this isn't going to happen, or I'm going to be a vegetable, like I don't want to live like that. So go ahead and make that decision." And in having this discussion, I never thought that I was going to have to actually do this exact thing. But when I was in that moment and we went back to the future file and said, okay, yeah, this is what dad had told us to do. Um, it was such a relief because again, thinking about it, and my sister and I talk about this almost on a daily basis because we, we run the future file business together. Um, that gosh, if he hadn't given us that directive and then we had to guess the right time to make that decision, we'd always be living with, should I have, you know, should we have gotten another opinion? Should we have waited another day? You know, that that's just not something you want to live with for the rest of your life. So, you know, again, taking a few hours to, to do this preparation, hopefully you never have to use it. But um, I don't know anybody yet who has fully escaped uh, expiring. So whether, again, it's you or a loved one, somebody's going to have to deal with this at some point in time. Yes. And what it includes, again, the future file. It's a hardcover product. It's the instructions manual, a guidebook, filing folder. In addition to things like you'll need a will and life insurance, those are additional things that people should also be in tandem working out, right? So that we, so what we do is we create that roadmap. So as you go through the instructions, we tell you that you need to have it. And if you have one already, that you either put it into the file in the appropriate place or you put an, a note saying this is where you can find it. Um, and if you don't have one, then we give you some things to talk to your estate planning attorney about so that you can make sure that you're hitting all the notes. So we don't try to do the powers of attorney or do the wills because they're so specific by state, but it's that roadmap that helps you organize all the information and points you in the right direction so that you can take advantage of those different um, experts. And if you have the stuff already, great. It's it's about putting it in um, the right place. I, I just read an article a couple of weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal that the number one problem with wills is that people can't find them. <laughs> no joke. I that, believe that it. Somebody does them and that they are put somewhere and they can't find them. So having the place and the location for your loved one to be able to figure that out is more helpful than you would think. That reminds me. I probably need to let some people know where ours is. I have. I don't even know where it is. I know we did exactly, it exactly right. And you spend all the time and the money to put it together, but it's it's that roadmap for the loved one that if you're in that situation, it's like okay, great, she has one. Like, who do I contact? Where do I get it? And then Who's also the estate able- planning attorney. Yeah, right. At least just put that phone number on a on a sticky note somewhere because that would answer a lot of questions. Although even then, you know, you're you may be. Out of luck. Tell, talk a little bit about your childhood, Carol, growing up, and what inspired you to live a life that was so diverse and so amazing. You know, just you, you. I feel like you just do what you want. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, um, I, I definitely am somebody who does what I want. I have no bucket list. Like if I feel like doing something, I just sort of do it. Um, you know, it's interesting. I do. You'll hear a lot about my dad, my father. Ber- Let's call him Bernie because I feel like it's more personal. Bernie was just amazing. He was, um, you know, not formally educated. He was a union electrician. 
um, probably the only Jewish union electrician you've ever heard of in your life. Uh, But he was really financially savvy and had a lot of common sense. And so I have these very early memories, like, you know, kids probably have memories of their toys. And I have memories that I had like four different really cool banks, if that says anything. There was one that was like an apple that was automated that had like a a little worm that came out and took the money. And there was one that was like a little old time cash register that you put the money in, you put, pulled the handle and it, it added it up for you. And then there was Raggedy Ann. And then there was one that separated the quarters and the dimes and the nickels and the pennies that had a B on it that my grandma gave me. Um, but my dad was a very big influence in my life. Um, and he was very much about being independent and giving my sister and I sort of this unbridled sense of self-esteem, which is fantastic. And so there was never a limitation on what we could do. And it was always thinking about the future and planning for the future. So he opened a credit card for me, I think, when I was about 10 years old um, with him as a co-signer. So I could have a credit history established. 10 years old. I know it was insane. It was insane. But he wanted to teach those financial lessons at an early age. I was the kid who always was selling something in the neighborhood and making my own money so that I would have money to be able to purchase something. Um, when I was 16, uh, you know, he helped me, but we both paid for my first car so that I could go to, to my job because I worked all through high school, um, in addition to doing, you know, kind of all the different activities. But I was always that kid who was like involved in a million different activities. And I think that, um, you know, there was just, again, there was just that natural curiosity that is the the blessing and the curse, as I said. Well, I know he's super proud. I mean, how could he not? And your sister, your sister, you both, and that's such a gift that he gave the two of you, that you were able to grow up so close. I think parents play a big role in making sure that the siblings are, well, you can't always guarantee it, but, you know, it's always, I'd like to take the credit if my kids (laughs) grow up to like each other. Uh, better, better believe it. Um, But that's such a, that's such a great relationship because you work in, in conjunction with your sister on this. Yes. So yes, my sister has been working for me for a really long time. And she's been involved in a whole slew of different things that I do. But she's been very involved um, with Future File. And, you know, I think that part of the reason we get along so well is just that we've gone through so much tragedy together, that our parents actually got divorced uh, when I was in high school and she was in junior high. And then, you know, we had all of these deaths to contend with. And I think that, you know, those kinds of things either bring people together or tear them apart. And in our case, it was kind of like, well, you know, we have each other. And fortunately, um, in many respects, we're very similar and have a sort of a very sort of chill attitude <laughs> towards um, things that aren't important. So it's um, it's a it's a really good relationship. And I will say my sister is probably the most laid back person on the planet, like very rarely does anything bother her. So we have that good symbiosis going too. It's a nice combination. Well, I'm sure you have some financial habits. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you I, I don't know. seem like a habit kind of person. I feel like you just do, you know, you're, you're very, I mean, you do things very well and you know what you want and you get things accomplished. I, I wonder if there's like a system or some habits behind 
the the success that you have built for yourself, but specifically financial habit? Is there something that you practice outside of, of course, uh, the future file and making sure that you have your ducks in a row there, but like daily habits, something that you yes. do with your spending or saving? Yeah, it's funny. It may seem like I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm actually towards each goal, extremely intentional about everything. So I am a very habit driven person, you know, the type of person that has everything calendared. And so I've always had um, financial rituals. And that has included Sunday as the day to pay bills and to sort of check up on what's going on with my financial situation. So you're know, back in the day before there was all of this online automation for bill paying every Sunday, I would sit down, I'd pay the bills, I check my checking account, I try and figure what was going on with, um, you know, my just general uh, balance sheet, personal balance sheet. And, you know, that continues on where Sunday is the day that uh, mail gets opened. And obviously some of those bills are scheduled on a you know, recurring monthly basis. But I always check my credit card purchases, uh, you know, once a week to make sure that there's nothing on there that seems wrong. Uh, my husband and I have a household balance sheet. So we keep track of our net worth and uh, our assets on an ongoing basis and continue to make those refinements. And so having control over, um, you know, sort of a, a process to look at everything on an ongoing basis and, and continue to make decisions is something that I incorporate into my weekly routine. And it's easier than ever to do that, right? I'm sure a lot of this is all electronic on your yes. phone. Yeah. I mean, this, it literally takes maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and again, I think that one of the issues that people have is that they put things off for so long that by the time they go to look at things, it's incredibly overwhelming. And so there's so much information, it's very hard to process. If you make the habit of doing it on a regular basis where you're devoting 10 or 15 minutes once a week, or you know if that's too much for you every other week or even once a month, it's a much easier thing to stay on top of. It's easier to identify the red flags and the issues and to make decisions than if you're like, oh, I haven't done this in a year and now I have to kind of figure out what's going on. That's when you get overwhelmed. And I feel like that's when people, you know, sort of retreat and, uh, you know, don't get empowered by the process. Amen to that. <laughs> For sure. All right, Carol, we have a few minutes left. I would love to end with some so many fill in the blanks, just really quick one-liners, yes. one-worders. <laughs> um, if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? I would just, it, it, fortunately, it would not be very life-changing, may sound strange, but it, I would just continue to give and invest in people and organizations that help other people sort of take control of their lives and make the world a better place. When I splurge, I love to spend money on? Spa services. I am a professional spa goer. I've not met a spa. I don't like. You don't mess around. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not getting those $15 massages after they get, after they no. get your nails. No. Mm -mm. No. Mm -mm. no. Um, one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? First class travel. I travel so much, it actually is a, a mental and physical benefit to me to be able to get that little bit extra room. 
You know, I actually just interviewed Barbara Corcoran, and that's one thing she refuses to spend her money on is <laughs> <laughs> is first class travel. She travel. I don't. I don't even know how to picture this in my head. But Barbara Corcoran sitting in coach. Okay, if that's what you say. I, she, I mean, God, God bless her. I traveled two hundred thousand dom- domestic miles in twenty sixteen, and over a hundred thousand <gasps> domestic last year. I would literally go crazy. It 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 is just. And again, di- different buttons for different people. Yeah. But just for me, just my entire body and mental outlook by spending that much time on an airplane, it's just a necessity. And plus, most of the time I travel, it's for business. So, you know, some percentage of that you know, goes back to taxes anyway. <laughs> so True. The Delta isn't that big. <laughs> All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? Risk-taking. I was far too conservative for far too long and you know, certainly had the means to take better um, and informed risks earlier. And so I, I learned to be um, good about spending the money, but I didn't learn enough about the risk taking early enough. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... So I have a few charities that I love, um, Bright Star Community Outreach and the Chicagoland area, which helps with things like um, controlling violence and providing opportunities on the south side of Chicago, um, the North Lawndale Employment Network, who creates jobs for those who were formerly incarcerated and who are looking to enter the workforce. And BCRF, which is the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, they do 91 cents out of every dollar goes directly into research grants. And that research helps fund breakthroughs in not only breast cancer, but other types of cancers as well. I think it's so smart when charities tell you exactly how much per dollar they invest back into the charity because you want to know that. that That's where you are putting your dollars. It's, 91 cents is a lot. That's really that's really remarkable. But you, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I think that a lot of the reason that they don't is that too much of the money goes to overhead and to marketing. And so, you know, when you have an organization like BCRF where you're seeing – 91 cents on the dollar, which is unheard of, and that it's not just going towards awareness, but that it's funding research directly. You know, that's where I feel like my money is making a direct impact. And last but not least, I'm Carol Roth. I'm so money because I am so money because I control my finances instead of letting them control me. Bravo. And you can do a mean improv. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So it's my favorite thing to do is to play off of other people. Um, You know, monologuing, not so great, but when there's somebody else, it's just so much fun. I love it. So inspirational. Thank you so much, Carol. And we'll make sure to put all the links for Future File at somoneypodcast.com. But of course, if you want to go straight there, everybody go to futurefile.com. And Carol, we'll be uh, we'll be looking out for you for your next adventure. Thanks so much, Farnoosh, and thanks for all you do to help with financial education. Thank you so much to Carol for coming on the show. Her website is carolroth.com. If you'd like to learn more about Future File, please go to futurefile.com. It's a great legacy planning system. She's also on Twitter at Carol J.S. Roth. 
all this info back at somoneypodcast.com, including the links, the audio, the transcript for this show. And you can click on Ask Farnoosh and leave me a question for our Friday episodes. Or let me know you want a co-host because I'm still looking for some cool co-hosts. I've had great, great listeners step up and join me. And it'd be great to meet you if I haven't already. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.